etching the imprint of impact that you want to make on the world is often influenced by your lived experiences. They often dictate your purpose and what you're passionate about in life. For Adam Brooks, he survived a knife attack which took place within a church service where he was stabbed a total of three times, including twice in the neck. Doctors referred to him as a walking miracle. However, he says it's one of the most transformational experiences he's had in his life. It's given him a new lease on life and something he says that he couldn't live and see himself without. He joined me this week to have a discussion about perseverance, overcoming obstacles, and redefining what you're willing to accept in order to experience success. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Not my pleasure, my pleasure. So Adam, I know as a speaker and someone who, who helps uh, people sort of maximize their fullest potential, you're all about helping uh, people find their passion and live a fulfilling life. So I'm wondering if, mm-hmm. you, can, if you can tell me about it, buddy. Yeah, um, I think I've always had a mindset around trying to help people anyway. I come from a, a, a pastoral family. So my dad's a pastor, my mom's a pastor. So I've always had the heart for helping people anyway. Um, but one of the things that kind of pushed me into doing what I do now, which is do motivational speaking and working with people trying to elevate their lives is I was uh, in an incident where I, got, I was stabbed a couple of years ago, like in a totally out of the blue incident. It wasn't related to my lifestyle, but um, I intervened in an attack on somebody and they stabbed me and almost died. And what it really made me understand was that life is so short, what we want to do. And the reality is we've got a heartbeat to heartbeat, breath to breath kind of situation. So for me, I had the wake up call in my life that said, okay, if you want to live your life, you can't afford to wait any more time. You've got to get on with living it right now. And I was really blessed to have had that experience. Although it was a painful experience at the time, it showed me that like I need to live my best life now. And so what it motivated me to do was to talk to other people and try and give them the same desire to, to live right now versus waiting for the right time or waiting for the right circumstances. I wanted to use my story to inspire other people to be able to live their best life, basically. And I think my experience has helped me to kind of help people understand that because I almost died and I'm alive and I'm grateful. And there's some people who are alive haven't really been through anything too bad and they're ungrateful for their life. So... Really, I just want to motivate people and inspire them using my story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and based off that experience, uh, 
that you had in the church, I'm sure uh, you have a greater appreciation for maximizing every moment. So talk to me about yeah. helping people uh, maximize their moment of impact and finding mm-hmm. their passion in life. What does that mean to you? Well, one of the biggest things I actually have with everybody is about finding your purpose. And I think one of the things that a lot of people do is they kind of elevate the idea of having a purpose to this massive thing that's almost impossible to find. And it can be as simple as you go to an old people's home once a week, helping them out there. Or it could be as simple as um, going and volunteering to read kids' stories in hospital. Or it could be as big as ending poverty in Africa. You know, it doesn't ma- there's no kind of view. And I think what I try to do is inspire people to look at the things that they're passionate about, look at the injustices that they see, that they feel that they want to do something about, and also to kind of consider like what their experiences have been and how those experiences they've had can help shape other people's lives. And normally what happens is when we have that, we are then able to find our purpose and do something with it. So the first step is just understanding what is the thing that you have got that makes you unique. Everyone's got something, and it may be that it takes longer for some to find it than others. But the first thing is, how do you find out what that is that's inside of me that maybe God or whatever you believe has given me to be on this earth? And then second of all, what kind of things do I like to do and do I enjoy doing and that I find myself doing on a regular basis? And then finally, who are the people that need what I've got? And once you find those three things, it's almost, like, it's almost easy then to work out what your purpose is. But the other thing I'd say is that, that sometimes people think you have to do your purpose for your whole life. And... I really believe that your purpose will change over your lifetime. Like you'll have a moment in time where your purpose is to help a group of people to do one thing. And then you'll go through some more experiences and that will push you to help another group of people. And it doesn't always need to be the same thing forever. It could be for six months or 20 years. It doesn't matter. But most importantly, it's, it's the fact that it gives you such a sense of fulfillment. And, and that, that sense of fulfillment is something that I think a lot of people lack in their lives, which is why we find a lot of these billionaire guys now trying to give away all their money because they want to feel something more than just wealthy. The money, money feels good, but it doesn't fulfill you. So they find other ways to give away their money to feel, to feel like they're making a difference or an impact. So I think that's the most important thing, finding the thing that you have that's unique and then finding out the people that need it and then putting it to work. Brooks offers these wise words of wisdom when it comes to embracing the importance of diversity of perspective. I think it's, it's really, really important, Kevin. I think one of the things that tends to happen is, as people, we, we almost group ourselves with people that are similar to us. So you, if you go to a place you've never been there before and you see someone who's familiar to you or someone who looks like you, you end up going in, gravitating to them. And then what happens is you end up with this thing called groupthink, which is where you kind of end up thinking the same way about the same thing all the time. And a good example of this is, at the, current, at the current moment, we've got lots of boards of major companies that are all made up of old white men, for example. And where that's not necessarily a major problem in itself, the issue is that they all have the same perspective on life and, and they're unable to see how different people have different experiences of life. So when you're making big decisions in those kind of arenas, it's almost like I'm unable to see how this, what I'm doing now will have an impact on a black man from Ontario or a native american person from you know we, they're unable to see how even for example building a hotel and having loads of steps at the front of the building looks amazing on the design but no one who's in the room thought of 
somebody who needs wheelchair access, for example. And because none of them use wheelchairs, they'll never think of it. But it takes having a diversity of perspective and different kinds of people with different experiences to be able to get the full picture of what experience will happen. So for me, it's really important in every arena of life that you have people around you who not only disagree with you sometimes on, on what you believe, but also to add different perspectives to the conversation because that way you have a round, a better rounded experience and a better rounded conversation. So if you end up in the same place with the same people, you're always gonna get the same results. So for me anyway, it's very important to have people of, of as many different backgrounds, experiences, situations as possible to enable a conversation to take place that allows real change and real action to come from it. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, Adam, I'm curious, do you have a motto of life that you live by or any principles you adopt in, in, adopt in your life that you're unwilling to compromise on? Yeah, so I guess my motto is never settle, raise your game, level up. And basically what that means is whatever opposition you're facing in life, never settle for the base level experience. Always go for the better thing. And then if you can't find yourself able to reach that better thing, then raise your game. So whether that means upskilling yourself educationally, whether that means going to the library, reading books, taking an online course, going to university, whatever it is that you need to do to elevate your mindset or elevate your ability or qualifications, do that. Don't settle for where you are now. Elevate yourself and then go for the thing that you really, really want. And that's the idea behind what I talk to everyone about at my events. It's literally whatever thing you're doing in your life right now, take one step every day to get better at it. And as you increase your ability and increase your qualification at that thing, you also increase your opportunity. Now, if you settle in life, what happens is you end up in the same place, you end up in the same job, same career, 30 years, nothing ever changes. And at the end of it, it's like, was, what was that? Like you wasted your life. So the idea of wasting your life is something I hate and I'm really, really passionate about making sure people don't do that. So for me, the idea of never settling, raising your game and leveling up just basically means pursue the thing that, that seems difficult and be better so that you can achieve it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, how do you uh, define personal fulfillment for you personally? For me, um, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have worked out my purpose. So for me, my purpose is to help other people to find their purpose and also to help other people to live their best lives. So I feel fulfilled when I'm talking to one person, like me and you talking now, Kevin, I feel fulfilled doing this. But I also feel fulfilled going to a, sc a school and talking to a group of young people about finding their purpose. And also feel fulfillment in going to a corporate organization and standing in front of a room of you know, executives and talking to them about the corporate focus and corporate purpose. So I've been able to find my fulfillment from doing things that I'm passionate about. And I think one of the things that's enabled me to do that is that I don't work for money in terms of, I work for money, I make money. I, didn't, I don't work in the area that I just do for the money. I work in the area that I do because I love doing it. So working with young people, working in the community and working with businesses means that I get to do the thing I love to do each day. And I encourage anyone I meet as well to kind of find some kind of outlet, whether it's a job or a hobby or something they can do on a regular basis that allows them to feel like they're making a positive contribution into the world. Because not always that you're going to have a career that saves the world. You might just work in a bank and that's it. But you can always find some way to make a positive contribution that makes you feel like the world is better because I'm here. So whether it's, like I said, volunteering at a hospital or helping kids out or going to school and reading or a library, that kind of thing, whatever it is, if you can find personal fulfillment in it, and you can find like you're making a difference, that, that changes your whole life. It makes you feel totally different about your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious to ask you, how people can use uh, creativity as a strategic advantage in life? Well, that's a good question. I think um, creativity, we're all born to be creators. Uh, not all in the same sense. Some of us will create really amazing, elaborate pieces of art. And some of us will create really nice environments for people to live in. So I think being creative is is almost the essence of being a human. Like what's in us is the ability to take something and make from, take something in our mind and not only have that thing in our mind, but then materialize it in real life. And we're the only species on earth that have the creative ability. We, other an, animals can do things of nature, but I'm talking about when I can have an idea about something and I can decide how to execute it and make it come to life. So I think it's really important because the process of creativity means that you're using imagination, it means you're using your skill set, it means you're using all kinds of things in your brain that allow you to feel a lot more, not valuable, that's not the right word. I think using your creative skills allows you to feel as if you are doing something positive and something that makes a difference. And it can be as simple as your person that, you know when you go to the hotel and someone's at the door to meet you and they say, hi, welcome to the hotel, we're so glad that you're here. You can create in somebody the feeling of feeling welcome. That's a creation. That's that's creativeness, as well as also being somebody who can paint a mural on a wall that looks amazing, as well as being somebody who can create an app for your iPhone, as well as somebody who can be creating websites. It doesn't matter what the thing is. The idea of creation is that you take something that's an idea and turn it into reality. And what's amazing about that now in our world, Kevin, is that what the world's looking for in people now is creativity. So we're looking for people who are able to solve problems through creativity. So it may be that you you have such an experience in your life that means when you see a problem, your mind's able to solve that problem in a way that scientists couldn't solve it because they haven't got the creative ability you've got. So I think everybody has a creative gene in them. It's about finding out how to unlock it and finding out how to apply it to something that allows the creation to go from just the idea to a real thing. Yeah, and I'm also curious to get your perspective on the, the fact that everyone's uh, portrait of success is different. You know, I always tell people that when you try to meet an artificial uh, level of expectation, you don't always get the same sense of fulfillment. And I always tell people to try it and to pick their own level of success. So I'm. I'm yeah, I agree with you 100%, Kevin. I think my, my terminology is pretty much the same as yours. I would say define your own success. So what tends to happen with people is we'll look at what we think people expect of us and we'll try to achieve that and hope that makes us feel good as well as making them feel good. And it could be our parents who said, you know, Kevin, I want you to become a lawyer. And so you'll go to law school and you'll do the bar and everything like that. And then you're not happy because it's not what you wanted to do. But you made it, but is that success or is it, you know, how do you define it? So if you're not happy, is it success? If your parents are happy, but you're not happy, it's not successful. So I think defining your own success is so important because what it takes is you being honest with yourself about what you want. It takes you deciding to tell yourself that in the, in the face of maybe someone else's idea of what I should be doing, and even what the kind of the world will say, Kevin, maybe some options aren't open to you, for example, because of your condition, but you can say, well, I know what I'm capable of doing and I'm going to push myself more so than what they think I'm capable to do. So the fact that you're hosting a podcast, talking to people all around the world, maybe a few years ago, people said, there's no way you could do that, Kevin. But you decided that, might, for me, success would be doing this podcast. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to push through and make it happen. 
So defining your success is so important because you only feel fulfillment when you know it's inter it's internal. It, you can't you can't feel it externally. All the praise in the world. I mean, we see all the time with celebrities who end up taking their own lives. We're celebrating them on a day to day basis. They get awards. They're clapped on. You know, they're they're seen on the street and everyone's saying, "Oh my God, it's him, it's her." And they go home in their own space and they feel unfulfilled because they don't see their life as successful because it isn't what they wanted. So it's so important to define, like, I know that I need this in my life to feel like I'm a success. I know I need that. I need to have this kind of career. I need to have this kind of person, partner in my life. Wherever it is, like, you have to define it for yourself. Otherwise, ultimately, everything else that you do will feel empty versus doing the thing you know you need to do for yourself. So it's really important that you define it yourself. Yeah, and Adam, I know that you placed a heavy emphasis on helping people sort of uh, get into a healthy space when it comes to mental health as well. So I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if you can tell me about the importance of valuing yourself from a mental health perspective as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I always say is if I, if I had fallen over and broken my arm, and I was walking on my arm just hanging off broken. People would walk up to me and walk up to me and be like, Adam, you need to go to the hospital. Your arm is broken. Go and sort it out. Nobody would be like, oh, it's okay. Everybody would say the same thing. Even my enemies would say, Adam, you need to go and sort it out. But when it comes to our mental health, because it's not visible, it's not like we walk around wounded all day. We walk around wounded with these pains, the mindsets that are in our head that kind of are so negative sometimes. And it's like, because nobody can see it, it's almost like this untreated trauma that continues over and over again. And so one of the most important things I would say to anybody is you need to treat your mind or your brain like it's any other part of your body in the respect that it can take damage. Things can impact on it. Like if you've got punched in your arm, you get a bruise, eventually the bruise will go away. When you hear negative words all the time, it mentally, it, it affects you mentally as well. Just like a punch would hurt your arm, those words affect your brain and the way you think about yourself. And one of the things I've noticed over my life is the more that I speak positivity into myself, the more I'm able to counteract the negative words I hear. But if you don't do that, the more you hear negative, the more the negative becomes your neutral. So everything becomes negative. So every day it's raining. Oh my God, it's raining outside. Oh, I can't believe this is the worst day ever. You go to work. Oh, I've got to do all this work today. It's going to be a nightmare. Whereas for me, my mindset is it's raining. I've got an umbrella. So I'm grateful to have an umbrella, for example. But my point is mental health goes beyond all those kind of things. It's about making sure that you're in tune with yourself. It's making sure that you're able to to know how you feel on a day and know how to counteract those feelings. So if you're having an episode where you feel depressed or you feel um, like you're having a negative mindset day, it's like, what do I need to do to counteract that? Well, it's going to seek help from a professional, like a doctor, a psychologist, um, or whether it's going and talking to a trusted friend who you know you can just vent to and get it out. But one of the most, what, one of the critical things is for people with mental health is to not feel like you can't talk about it your brain is just like any other part of your body. It can be affected by the environment. It can be affected by the people around you. And it's always affected by what you put into it. Just like if you eat food, Kevin, if you eat some food and eat junk food every day, McDonald's every day, every day, your body's going to start to look like somebody who doesn't take care of the body. It's the same with your brain. If you're watching negative TV shows, if you watch, listen to negative words all the time, your brain is going to start acting like a negative environment because that's all it's used to and that's all it's receiving. So one of the things I always, always say is you've got to control your environment. If you have a seed and put it on the side of a table, it will just stay there forever, it won't grow. When you put it into soil and water it, it grows. It could be in the same room, but the environment changes and it's, it's able to grow. It's the same thing with positive thinking and negative thinking. 
nothing grows that isn't fed. So if you feed your negative mindset with negative thoughts, it's going to grow. And if you feed your positive mindset with positive thoughts, it's going to grow as well. And at the end of the day, it's a competition between who's been fed the most, what part of my brain or my mind has been fed the most. Am I feeding with positive influences all the time or am I allowing negative influences? So to conclude on that point, I would say it's so important to make sure that you manage the things that you allow into your mind and also be, be fair to yourself because sometimes we go through traumatic experiences and we expect to get over it straight away and that's not how it works. If you break a bone, it takes months to reset the bone and for it to be functional again. With our mind, if you go through a traumatic experience or we have something happen to us, it takes time for our brain to recover and to get back to the way it worked before. So give up, be patient with, be patient with ourselves and with each other and also be a listening ear for anybody who needs to have that conversation as well. Be there for other people as well. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you would define inclusive diversity of all people. How do you think we can move closer to a more inclusive society where all of opinions are valued and heard, I'm curious. Yeah, well, I think we live in a world right now where we've got either you agree with me or you're my enemy. So that's where we're starting from at the moment, where if I don't agree with your opinion, then I must be an enemy of you, so I have to attack you and I have to destroy you. Whereas the world we want to live in is a world where we can have a difference of opinions and we can have um, different views on things and still live in, a, in one place. And I think it's the recent politics we've had all over the world has polarized people's views. So we've got people who think if I'm if I support for example, in America, for example, if I support um, Trump, then I am a this kind of person. If I sort of support Biden, I'm this kind of person. I have no middle ground. It's just like you're either a redneck Trump supporter or you're a you know professional Democrat kind of person. And it's it's really weird that we've had to kind of do that. But it's part of the human psyche to do that. Ever since the beginning of time, humans have always tried to find similarities and differences between each other to try, to try and work out which one is my friend and which one is my enemy. So automatically, we're programmed to kind of look people who look like us or seem like us who, who behave like us to create some kind of familiarity with them to feel safe. And those who we don't believe we have any familiarity with, we create them into an enemy. And so while now we're not trying to kill each other necessarily, what we do do is we try to create an enemy out of each other. And I think what we need to do really is be open to listening to someone's opinion and open our minds to be open to have our mind changed about things too. Like based on evidence and based on the kind of conversations we're having, can I be open to changing my mind about something I believe if I hear new information about it? Or is it just that I'm, you know, there's a, what's it called? There's a term where we're just setting our ways and no matter what happens, I'm not changing. So I think for us, Kevin, it's more a matter of opening our minds to listen to other people's opinions and be open to our mind being changed. And it's also giving ourselves the opportunity to hear things from a different perspective because you're in Canada and I'm in England and you would say, for example, that it's cold over there. I would say it's cold over here. But whereas my temperature is nowhere near as cold as over there. But from, my, from where I'm looking at it, like my world, it's cold here. But you came here, you'd be like, this is warm because you're used to Canada cold. And so I need to, be able to understand your perspective is different to mine and yours isn't wrong. It's just from a different place. So I think that's what's important is allowing everybody to... It's like everyone to have a part of the conversation and be open to listen to everyone and then also be open to change our minds. Yeah, Adam, and I'm curious, if I give you a group of 100 
recent college graduates and told you to motivate them to maximize their impact and influence. What do you think your message would be to them about, about the opportunity that they have to make a positive difference? That's a really good question, Kevin. Um, I think what I'd say is that not one person in this world is born by accident. And it may feel as if the circumstances of your life or your birth or any conditions you have may limit you, but the only limit you have is yourself. I would say that when you're born into this world, there's literally a Kevin-shaped hole in the world that only Kevin can fill. So as much as it may feel as if we're all the same, we're all kind of just doing the same things, there's certain things inside of you, Kevin, and all the other graduates in the room that, can, that only you can do. There's certain things that the world is waiting for from you. And I say most important thing you can you to do now when you leave university is to go out there, find the thing that makes you makes you get excited, find the thing that you're passionate about, and find a way to do that. But also find the thing that allows you to make a positive contribution to the world. Don't allow your life to become just another uh, just another just a career and then retirement. Try and think of how you can make the world a better place with your presence in it. Um, I say literally. There's nobody else in the world like you. And Kevin, I say this to you specifically as well, there's nobody else in the world like you. Nobody. No matter what happens in the world today, for the rest of time, there will never, ever, ever born another person who's like you, who has your personality, your character, your drive, your motivation, your ideas. It's all unique to you. And so you've got one shot of its life to make it, and it to make an impact. So don't waste the opportunity of a lifetime waiting for the opportunity of a lifetime. Go out there and build your life the way you want it to become. Don't allow your life to be led by other people. Choose the path you want to blaze and blaze the trail to it. And even if there's doors in the way, there's walls in the way, there's people in the way, keep on pushing through. Because then when you've done it, there's others who will be able to come behind you and get there too. So I would say literally live your best life. Focus on making yourself happy and making the world a better place. And make sure that at the end of your life, you don't have any regrets. Yeah, absolutely. It's always better to lead by example, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Adam, I know that you're into music, buddy, and I know that's one of your passions in life. So tell me about when you're not working, buddy, how do you define uh, passion and what do you like to do, bud? Yeah, um, I played music since I was a child. So I was, uh, at first I was a drummer, um, and then I started to play piano and keyboard. I also played cello for a good few years while I was at school. Um, but I still play the piano and keyboard now. I've done some music tours, um, but at the age I'm at in life now, it's not something I'm passionate about doing, like traveling around the world to do. I play in my church. I don't play um, on tours anymore. So I did in the past, um, but now I'm, I'm more passionate about my work that I do now. So I play the keyboard on a Sunday in church and that's pretty much it. But I love music and I've got a very musical family as well. Very cool. And I know that you live there in England, but I should tell me, what's the best part about living across the pond and what are you most grateful um, I would say England, um, to be honest with you, like up until a few years ago, I thought America would be a better place to live for black people in particular, because England's population of black people isn't that much. There's not, there's not, there's not as many of us here as we probably would think there is. Um, so it's been, there's some difficulties in that. Sometimes there's a bit of racism, but it's not the same as America. America's way worse. And the good thing is there's no, there's no guns here, really. So there's no real threat to your life like that. You're not going to get shot driving your car because you've pulled over somebody by accident or something. Um, but the good things about England are it's pretty much the world is your oyster. If you're able to work hard and you have a 
drive to push yourself. You can become anything you want. There's the limits are there, but you can also break through. When you're good enough, you can break through the limits. Um, uh, education is free. Healthcare is free here. So if I'm ill, I go to hospital. I don't pay a penny. Um, yes, yeah, to be honest with you, it's a great. The weather isn't that great, but it's a it's a good place to live. My family's originally from Jamaica, but they came here. My my grandparents came here in the fifties uh, from Jamaica. Um, so yeah, it's 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 home really. I'm I'm used to it here. I like it here. Um, but it's totally. It's it can be interesting to go to certain parts of England and you'll see no black people at all. For example, like you go to Devon or Cornwall and you'll be walking around the street and people are like, wow, like they've never seen a black person before. Um, but in, where I live in Birmingham, it's the most diverse city in Europe. So there's everyone here, all different nationalities, all different races and stuff. So there's no problems here. Oh, well, that, that's cool. I'm curious, curious how often you go back to Jamaica if it all bothers. Kevin, I haven't been there since I was a child. I've been there twice in my lifetime. I'm dying to go back. I'm dying to go back. My parents go back and my uh, brother and si my sister's been back a few times more than me. But I've only been back there twice as a child, basically. I haven't been as an adult. Well, I'm dying to go back, though. I'm dying I, to go back. I'm sure you're dying to come back for family and an upgrade in the weather, huh? Yeah, definitely. Kevin, the weather in Jamaica is just sublime. Can you ma imagine, like, the heat with the sea? Coconuts, mangoes—it's just perfect. It's just perfect. Uh, um, yeah. I, yeah. Have you been to Jamaica, Kevin? Have you been? I uh, no, I haven't. But it's on my list of uh, places to go for sure. Oh, you got to get there, man! You got to get there. Yeah, absolutely, it beats the weather we got here in winter. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. So I have yeah. my, my final question for you today. Has to do with your own personal and professional legacy and how you might want that to be defined by Yeah. Um, I think if I was to, if you put it into words, I think my legacy I'd hope would be that I motivated people to do better, to live better and be better. And that I was constantly a force for good. So always doing things to help people to have a positive mindset, always trying to make a difference to make the environments I'm in better whether it's just the way I speak to people, whether it's the way I make people feel, um, but also the impact I have. So wherever I go, I want there to be a trail of goodness behind me, not for my sake even, not for I look good, but so there's a difference, like that the world will notice that Adam was here and people's lives will be better because I was here. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, Adam, if people want to get connected with your body, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, I'm on social media as Adam Brooks, but it's spelled A-D-A-M-B-R-U-X. Uh, so that's Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that good stuff. So, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can find me all over social media. Uh, fantastic. Well, Adam, I have to uh, thank you for being here today, buddy. And I have to let you know, bud, that you're part of a milestone uh, for the program okay. today with our uh, conversation, buddy. It's the 400th I've done for the endeavor. So I want to thank wow. you. Thank you for uh, uh, being a part of this milestone for this show, buddy. It's most appreciated. That's amazing, Kevin. That just shows your consistency to do 400 episodes of a podcast and a show. It doesn't happen with somebody who's not serious about what they're doing. So congratulations to you on that. And here's to 400 or 4,000 more episodes to come, Kevin, within 
the next episodes you've got coming up? Uh, one episode at a time, right? One conversation <laughs> yeah. to make a difference, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, buddy, I want to thank you for all of the work that you do and for joining me to engage in conversation. It's most appreciated. Now, my pleasure, Kevin. Great to great to talk to you today.